You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Hey, man, thank you so much. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. You can turn to the first chapter. My mind is on the the next uh, step for Elk Point Baptist Church, or the soon step as we uh, will be stepping into a new building, uh, and the uh, the excitement that's involved in that, the opportunities as uh, we've discussed. In so many ways, it's kind of a new start because we've, uh, of course, been here and. Uh, we've reached the point where we're at now to where obviously uh, the growth potential has been limited. We've been uh, limited in um, you know, the, the capacity of being able to do some ministries that we'd like to do. And so it's just a brand new opportunity. Man, I just am so excited about what God's going to do. And over the next uh, few weeks, and I know we've got uh, you know, uh, Palm Sunday and Easter in there as well, but uh, I still want to try to be preaching along the lines of some of the preparations and everything as we get ready uh, for this next step. And so in Nehemiah chapter number 1, I just want to begin reading in verse number 4 of the, of the first chapter. I'm going to be skipping around a lot, um, and honestly I'm not sure even uh, how this will go, but I'm just trying to share my heart with you out of this passage. But in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4, the Bible says, And it came to pass... When I heard these words, I think about that. The things you hear, the things you see, those things affect your heart. Those things affect your heart. When my kids were smaller, they uh, learned a song, and I've heard a song uh, that we've taught to kids through the years, and that's be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little eyes what you see. Uh, and because, of course, it says, for the Father up above is looking down in love. But I'll tell you this, it, we talk about the battle for the, of the Christian life being in the mind. Well, guess how stuff gets into the mind? Yeah. Right. Through what we see, through what we hear. That's right. Period. That's where it comes from. The things we see, the things we hear, and that's how we begin to think of it. And we could say the things you feel, I suppose, as well. But uh, So... But he heard something. It came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Let's uh, pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, dear God, for uh, the book of Nehemiah. I thank you for the, being able to open up an ancient book, God, that it reads ahead of tomorrow's headlines, both in prophecy and also in practicality as well as in philosophy. But as we think practically about the lessons we can learn here uh, from the book of Nehemiah, I pray that you'll help this church that you have planted here, the work that you are doing here. And uh, Lord, we just praise you and we thank you, God, for your great, great mercy and for your faithfulness, dear Lord. So I pray that you'll bless during this time and we'll thank you for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, uh, the book of Nehemiah, I'll try to give you a little bit of background of where we are in history with the book of Nehemiah. Uh, we are, as far as chronologically is concerned, this the, the, the timeline for this would be after the book of Daniel. Uh, it would be into some of the minor prophets, Hosea, Zechariah, 
uh, Esther would precede some of the things uh, by a few decades that happened here. Uh, there's a great prophecy in the book of Daniel that is directly connected with Palm Sunday, which I do understand is next week, that says that from the time that Cyrus gives the permission and gives the command that the Jews may leave Persia, which... Um, uh, to leave Persia and go rebuild the temple. Uh, and that happens in the book of Ezra. Ezra the priest returns and they begin to rebuild the temple and they begin, begin to rebuild uh, the city of Jerusalem after the captivity of Babylon uh, and then also into that, that switched over uh, reigns into the Persian Empire as well. But the Bible literally says in the book of Daniel, from the time that decree goes forth to go build the temple that Ezra went and built, uh, from the time that command goes forth, you could, num you could literally number the days to the day that Messiah came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. It's a pretty awesome thing. Uh, so, but that, that, that we see from the book of uh, Ezra. Now, some 20 years later, the book of Nehemiah comes along. And so uh, this is getting real close to the close of the Old Testament as far as chronologically is concerned. But in this particular place, uh, as I mentioned, 20 years earlier, Ezra led a group to rebuild the temple and the city. Now, Nehemiah is taking the next vital step in Jerusalem, becoming the city that the Lord intended for it to be by building walls around the city. And ancient, and ancient cities without walls were very vulnerable. They were uh, weak. They were uh, not uh, much because it would be so easy for enemies to come in and take over them. So Nehemiah had a burden. But what I began to think about as far as in the way of application was the work that God uh, started here. And just like God uh, began a work in Nehemiah's heart, I'm glad, and I, I do. I, 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 you know, thinking about it, been a little nostalgic as we approach leaving this location. I remember the day, just like it was yesterday, driving uh, home from basketball one morning and seeing a sign out on uh, out on front of this, out on the window uh, that used to be Gracie's Consignments, and some of you in town will remember that Gracie's Consignments. But it was no longer Gracie's Consignments, and there was a sign out there that said for lease. For lease. And, um, but now, of course, it goes back further than that from God, of course, burdening me to come here. But I'm telling you, God has worked in each of our lives. And I'm telling you, God has, I believe that God has each of us here for such a time as this. Amen. I believe that there, there are those that are not yet here that God has for such a time as this. In other words, that's going to make a difference in this day and age, that's going to make a, a difference in our generation. And, God started that work back with Ezra and now there was the next step. And I began to think about all that God has done uh, in Elk Point Baptist Church. But you know what? Now we get to move and, and we are not uh, leaving. A, a, remember this, we are not leaving a church to go to another church, are we? When the church moves, we are the church. Always remember that. We are the church. Uh, right? We're the church. Uh, the, a building is not the church. The people are the church. And I'm telling you, the, the work that God has begun here, uh, he's, we're getting ready to take it to another step, to another level. And I don't believe it's the final step, but I believe it's another step. It's another step uh, of enabling 
uh, uh, room and ability uh, to grow that much more, to have that much more in the way of ministry. And we're so excited. And isn't, it, isn't the Lord good that we're able to go uh, by the grace of God and purchase uh, this building and to God be the glory, just be able to pay cash for it right there on the spot. Uh, to God be the glory for that. I mean, uh, that, that, that's a testament obviously to the Lord, but to God's people that believe in the work of God. And that's kind of what Nehemiah and Ezra are really all about. It's not just about one person. It's about a people that believe in the work of God. It's about a people that are willing to give their lives and to give and offer up their abilities and to commit and say, you know what? I want to serve. I want to make a difference. I'm willing to do whatever God would have me to do. And so uh, the door for many opportunities are opening and we're going to have a lot of decisions in the coming weeks and the coming months. Uh, many of them, you know, the smaller variety, we were discussing those uh, just a moment ago. But a lot, lot of decisions, a lot of opportunities that we have coming up. And, and, and I want to emphasize once again, this is the work of Almighty God. One of the promises I've uh, claimed when it comes to church is this. When Jesus said, I will build my church. Amen. We trust Him to build His church. Uh, and I'm glad I haven't heard this terminology in quite a while. Uh, come to think about it. And I'm relieved by this. That people would sometimes say to me, Yeah, Pastor, your church. Your church. And they didn't mean it just in the sense like we say this is our church. They would say it like this is kind of your thing, right? And I'm like, this ain't my thing. This is God's thing. Uh, this isn't my thing at all. Uh, it's God's thing. And so this is God's work. And His hand will has been upon us, will continue to be upon us, and guide us in His path that He planned for us long ago. Amen. We get to be a relatively small part of something really big that God That's is right. doing. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's just... Uh, I mean, could you have envisioned uh, what... Uh, being where we are now and seeing, I'm telling you, but it's just the start. Uh, we are not in a place of um, complacency, are we? We're just like, man, there's more souls that need Christ. There's more Christians that need to grow. There's still broken homes that we can help men. There's still broken lives uh, that God can help men through us. I mean, uh, that's what it's about is making a difference, glorifying God as we'll see here in just a moment and making a difference. You know what I thought about this morning? We are not sure of the challenges and opportunities that lay ahead of us. I thought about this. Not only do we not have all the answers, we don't even know all the questions, do we? We really don't. That lay ahead in the months and the years to come. But I know one who does. Amen? I know one who does. He knows all the questions. He knows all the answers. And we just got to lean on Him. Amen? Keep walking in His way. Keep submitting to His will. And the Lord will just continue to bless. Our goal by the grace of God is to get in on the same page as we approach May 1st. And by God's grace, we will march into May ready to keep on building and to keep on moving forward. Uh, we are not going to go sit in that new building. I and I know this isn't on anybody's heart. We're not, not going to get over there and say, Ah, we've arrived. Oh no. Uh, that is not our attitude. It's just like, okay, praise God. Now! Let's keep on going, man. Let's keep plugging on. Let's see, let's see the work of God continue to build. And so in Nehemiah, we see some things that I want to uh, take in application that we can learn in principle. Number one, we see the call of God. 
We read that in chapter 1, verse 4. There was a need and God burdened Nehemiah's heart over it. And as you go through chapter 1, you'll find out that Nehemiah said, Lord, there is a need. There is a work that needs to be done. And Nehemiah's attitude was, was, Lord, there's a great work that needs to be done and I pray you'll send somebody because his attitude, it was almost like him sitting there, does, does nobody care about what's going on? There's this great need, does no one care? But it wasn't, you know, sometimes uh, I appreciate the attitude of this church because it's not just about somebody coming and saying, Preacher, have you ever thought about this? You know, you really should do this uh, for the church. We, you really should do this ministry. And it's like, it's, it's like Nehemiah sitting there saying, Man, there's a need. But then Nehemiah said, You know what? I'll volunteer. If God... Listen, Nehemiah was not a prophet, Nehemiah was not a priest. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for a pagan king, for the king of, uh, of Persia. He was a cupbearer. He was a servant for the king. He had, a, he had the mind of an engineer. He had a civil engineer kind of mind. But he was, just a, he was just a man that said, you know what, there's a need and if God will help me, I'll, go, I'll, I'll do what I can. So there was the call. There was the need. There was man's willingness because just because God's calling doesn't necessarily mean that one is willing. But may God help us to have a volunteer type of attitude. May the Lord help us. <laughs> oh boy, excuse me. By the grace of God, uh, and, 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 I, and again, I commend Elk Point Baptist Church for having this type of attitude, but to say, you know what, there's a need, and if I can help out, I want to help out. I want to make a difference. Don't get so caught up on the things you can't do. Say, you know what, I may not be able to do this. Because that's what some people, well, preacher, I can't do this and I can't do that. But I like the attitude saying, but I can do this. Amen. I can, I can do, uh, there, there's something we all can do. There's the call of God. There's the willingness to volunteer, to serve. And so Nehemiah went. And if you go over to chapter number 2, if you went through, we're not going to read verses uh, 1 through 16, but if you were to read those verses, you would find out that Nehemiah comes with the blessing of the king. God's providence is at work. And I love that thought, and I love that term, the providence of God. In other words, God is working things for His good, for our good, and for His glory. The providence of God makes things to such a way to where circumstances, uh, Nehemiah not only is going to help, but he has the blessing and he has the security and he has supplies from the king of Persia. It's just an awesome thing. He comes into Jerusalem. And when he comes in, he sees that the walls are still broken down. They had never been rebuilt. Going all the way back to the time of the kings, they had never been rebuilt. Um, And he sees the need. He sees that something needs to be done. But he doesn't tell everybody what he's doing right yet. He came, he rested for three days. After that, he goes out at night and he begins to assess the situation. You know what he did? He began to investigate. He began to plan. He began to plan. And as we're going to see this uh, with uh, Nehemiah, he was the, the kind of man that was dedicated to a plan uh, and, was, and was willing to follow through with this plan that God led him in. And then that brings us up into verse 17 of chapter 2 where he shares uh, his vision with the people of Jerusalem. Verse 17 of chapter 2 of Nehemiah. The Bible says, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in. 
how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, I love this, let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. And I want to just preach on this thought about bring the builders. Bring the builders. Now, who are the builders? Now, don't get your mind necessarily on that guy with the, with the tool belt on and you know the flannel shirt and the boots and whatever. Listen, if, if you want to know who the builders are, look around. And as you study this, it's really cool as you go through the book of Nehemiah, you'll find out what the builders looked like. There were some big burly men in there, but you know what? There were some women in there. And there were some boys. And some girls. I mean, whole families that said, I'm a builder. I'm having a part. I'm contributing. They heard the message. They saw the vision. And they said, okay, Nehemiah, let us rise up and build. And so I'd say bring the builders. Let us rise up and build. Let's continue to build on what God has already done. And that's the thing, is they weren't bringing in, if you see, they were bringing in you timber for the gates, but as far as the walls are concerned, you're going to find out that they were working with what was already there. And so uh, Nehemiah uh, went and he uh, challenged these other folks. Nehemiah faced a great challenge, but he had great faith in a great God and he was ready to do a good work. A good work. We're not saved by our good works, but the Bible says good works do follow. Amen? And thank God, I believe God's doing a good work here. And, I believe, and I'm so glad that I can say to whoever and all of you and each of you that do a work and contribute in however way you may contribute within this church, I'm glad I feel like I can confidently say you're doing a good work. You're involved in a good work. And you know what? That's all to God be the glory for that. This is a good work that God has given. Uh, but I'm telling you, and that's kind of the point that Nehemiah really recognized, is if it weren't for the people that were willing to help, he wouldn't have been able to get much done. Uh, with the kind of humility uh, that God gave Nehemiah, it was, it was, he was able, chapter 4, verse 6, I love what he says. You can turn over there, it's just a page over to the right. Chapter 4, verse 6, he says this, So built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. But you know what he said there? He wasn't one of these leaders that said, so I built the wall. I came and I was the Savior and I'm, I'm the one. No, he said, we did it. I did my part. They did their part. We all chipped in. He recognized the need for the people. Uh, when it comes to the work of the Lord, by the way, not only is there no place for some self-appointed uh, uh, aristoc aristocracy, there's also no place for spectators. <laughs> or self-appointed advisors and critics. Uh, but there's always room for workers. Amen. Always room for workers. Uh, listen, don't, do, do, don't let yourself be a critic in this sense. Don't be the one that's not willing to do something. Wait for somebody else to do it. Then when they do it, tell them how they're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
Don't be one of those kind of people. Uh, I mean, listen, if somebody has volunteered to do it, uh, man, uh, they're going to do their best to do it uh, to the glory of God. But uh, the, the church isn't really a place for spectating. This uh, church is not a spectator sport. I mean, listen, you're on the team. You're on the team. You're a part of the work. You're a part. You're one of the builders. There's always room for workers. As you study this chapter, there's, a, there's several principles that you'll find uh, as you look at this. Number one, we see the purpose of the work. The purpose of the work. Look at, I'm going to go back to verse uh, 17 of chapter 2. The Bible says, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. There was one thing that Nehemiah was concerned with. And now you say, well, that sounds a little selfish. He was worried about them being a reproach. Or, you know, in other words, being a people that people could say, Oh man, those Jews are losers, basically. But it's not about them. This is the city where God chose to place His name. Yes. This is the people with which God chose to identify. So when He's saying that we be no longer a reproach, He's saying God needs to be glorified. The, amen? And so the, 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 first, the, the purpose of the work, builders, is that God is glorified. That God is glorified. That the Lord is glorified. It's not about our recognition, amen? It's not about Jesse Haley Ministries. Uh, you know, uh, it's not about that. Man, it's about the Lord. It's about His glorification. Amen. And it's not about, you know, anyone in here that, I mean, that, that strives to say, you know what, I want to make sure my name is out there. And I want to make sure my... Man, I'm glad that's not our attitude. But by God's grace, man, it's, it's about the Lord. Amen? It's about the Lord. That God be glorified. Let us build up the wall. Uh, see, the Gentiles were uh, mocking <laughs> mocking uh, the people of God. They were mocking God because of the way of what the city was supposed to be. The purpose of all ministry is the glory of God. And again, not the, not the aggrandizement of religious leaders or organizations. Uh, the words of Jesus... And I'm telling you, that's a thing too. I mean, some churches, if they're not careful, they want to fall into some denominational place to where we're going to really make the denomination proud. Man, fully on the denomination. I ain't worried about making no denomination. Man, it's, it's about glorifying the Lord. It's about glorifying the Lord. I mean, one of the things about being a New Testament Bible church like we are means that we follow the New Testament. We want to follow God. We want to please God. Uh, and and because there's those around us, there's some Baptists around that say, well, you got to do it this way because that's the way the Baptists do it. Well, you're not really truly a Baptist if you're just doing it by on basis of tradition. Yeah. You know, it's got to be on the basis of God's Word. Yeah. And so, uh, so understand that it's, it's about the glory of God. The words of Jesus and His high priestly prayer can be a motivating force in all Christian ministry. Jesus said in John 17 verse 4, I, He says to the Father, I have glorified Thee on earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest Me to do. I'm talking to builders today. What qualifies you as a builder? What qualifies you as a builder is this. If you've been born again. Amen? Yeah. Amen. If you've been born again, you're a part of this church, you're a builder. If you're saved, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So what's that mean? That means each of us have a special task on the wall. Each of us have a special place to build on the wall in the church. Making a difference. Being a blessing. Not only getting a blessing. I receive a blessing when I come to church. I enjoy receiving a blessing. But that cannot be my only motivation. My motivation also needs to be to be a blessing. To be a blessing. To glorify the Lord. And so, uh, each of us have a special task. And I'm not just talking to those 18 and above. Amen. But from the kids uh, uh, to uh, whatever age you are, you have a task to do. You have a place to work on the wall. And I would have just loved to have been there when they worked on this wall. Because as you read through Nehemiah, it's so cool. Pretty soon they begin to encounter opposition. And that's something we'll talk about uh, perhaps on next week. We'll see. But they begin to encounter some opposition. And so everybody started making sure the families all started working together. So cool. Dad's out there and mom and the kids and they're all out there working together building this wall. I'm glad that the work of the Lord is not just for a few people. But I'm glad everybody is to be involved if it's going to work the way that God meant for it to work. And so we see the purpose of the work is always to glorify God. Uh, We see the pattern of the work. By the way, I'm going to mention this because we'll see it in just a second, but I'll spend more time Nehemiah had a lot of security around him that was sent by the king. But one of the sad, sad things that actually happened was much of the problems that they actually ended up getting. Soldiers couldn't stop it. You know why? Because it was within the city. And it was among some of the leaders. And it was among some of the people. You know what? We need to all be on guard. We need to all be accountable. We need to all make sure that it's not about me getting my way. It's about God getting His way. Amen? It's not about uh, you know uh, anything of that. It's about the Lord. And it's about each of us trying to have that. They begin to have this. So it's something that we all, and notice I say we have to guard against, is making sure that we aren't internal uh, trouble within the church. But there's a pattern of the work. Again, Nehemiah was a leader who planned his work and worked his plan. He's got a great example here. And I just want to give you some of these. And uh, it's interesting when you get into chapter number 3 of the book of Nehemiah. And we're not going to read that chapter, but um, I may refer to a couple verses out of it. But in that chapter, there's 38 individual workers named in this chapter. I mean, I could just ask you, for instance, have you ever heard of, um, let's see, I'm trying to think, find one of these names, um, Urijai, Marizabel, uh, you know, these are names that we are not familiar with. They're, these aren't names that too many people name their kids, thank God, but, uh, but we don't know these people's names. Um, but you know what? Their names are recorded. And they, they, we don't consider these people heroes of the faith. We've never heard of them. But I want to tell you something. They were named. You know why? Because God was using each of them to work. Amen. Each of them was contributing. 38 individual workers are named in this chapter. 42 different groups are identified. 
And there's also many workers that were not named whose labors were important, although they were anonymous. And they were assigned a place and a task. Let me ask you this. By God's grace, are you willing to be an, an, an anonymous worker? Some of your personalities, you're just like, yeah, that's kind of the way I prefer. Um, an anonymous worker. Uh, but I'm, I'm telling you, listen, by God's grace, as a pastor, I really want to be one to recognize service. I really do. Because I appreciate service. I appreciate that which people do. But you know what? As a pastor, sometimes I may fail to remember to mention it. I may fail to remember it, period. And there may be times I'll get up here and say, man, what a great job. And somebody says, well, that's probably why you shouldn't ever say that about anybody. Uh, and maybe there's truth to that. But I may get up and say, you know what? I just want to thank God. I mentioned Dan earlier. So, man, I just appreciate the work and the time uh, that he's put into, uh, you know, keeping up with the accounting and the treasure part so much. You know, and then somebody's up and saying, well, you didn't say nothing about me. You know, by the way, I want you to know something. We can all fall into that trick. We can all fall into that. Uh, preachers can sometimes fall into it. Oh man, what a great message so-and-so preach. Well, they didn't say my message was great. Now, I don't go around thinking that. You don't have to tell me nothing about my message. I want you to understand something. But what I'm just simply saying is that from a being on guard perspective, we need to uh, understand that those are things, part of our human frailty to think these things. And if you're a person that wants recognition, you can. And let me tell you something. You can and you will be offended. We'll take, we're not going to take comments right now, Joel, but, but you can and you will be offended. Usually, unintentionally, hopefully always unintentionally, but you can be offended sometimes. Why? Just by oversights, just by things like that. But by God's grace, you give one another the benefit of the doubt and you think, oh, well, they were recognized. They didn't recognize me, but that's okay because I know that God recognizes my service and I know He probably appreciates it. He just hadn't, he just hadn't thought about it. Um, so, regardless, there's things that we've all got to be on guard about with that. But the pattern of the work was people that were willing to work. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, Paul compares individual Christians to members. He compared it to members of a body. Hands, feet, eyes, ears. Um, and you know what? That's what it takes. It takes the whole body functioning properly. And that's what the church is. That's how we accomplish that which God would have us to accomplish. So to the builders, I say remember, uh, the work is for the glory of God. Uh, we've got to be on guard about some things that uh, we can spend more time on at a different time. But, uh, but, I, but I just want to give you a few of these words that help teach us <laughs> some principles about the work as it goes on. <coughs> Excuse me. Number one, the fact that there's different jobs to do. Not everybody does the same job. And let me tell you something. When I said that you were born with a task, let me tell you something else. You were born again with a spiritual gift to perform that task. You, if you are saved by God's grace, Shane, guess what? You have a spiritual gift. I have a spiritual gift. And many of us sit there and think, how many, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I wonder how many people think, not me. Not me. I don't get up in public. I don't speak. I don't. Well, I didn't say you get up in public. I didn't say you speak. I said you have a spiritual gift. Everyone who is saved has a spiritual gift. And when we uh, understand that people have 
Everybody has a different goal. See, the people finished this difficult task because they obeyed uh, the same leader. They kept their eyes on the same goal and they worked together for the glory of God. Neither the enemy outside the city nor the difficulties inside the city distracted them from their God-given task. We've got one leader, amen, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Together we follow Him. We have one leader. We have one goal. I mean, we need to have that attitude, this one thing I do, and the work will be completed. When will it be completed? When the Lord calls us home, amen. But in the meantime, the work will continue as we do. See, the Bible talks about there in that passage, talk about 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and chapter 14. The Bible talks about how ridiculous it would be to imagine the eye envying the ear and the hand envying the foot or whatever. You know, I mean, that's not the way our body generally works. Our body cooperates. Uh, our, you know, can you imagine if my hands just all of a sudden say, nope, I'm being eyeballs. If I can't be an eye, I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what Paul says. He says in one place, what if the whole body were an eye? Yeah. You know, like, like Mike Kozowski or something, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's like that would be weird. Okay? Is it what Kozowski? Anyway, Wazowski. Anyway, I, I get confused on some of those names, but that would be weird. And some of you are saying, who the heck is that? <laughs> Amen. But he's just a one-eyed little thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> But the, but the Bible says, the Bible, and by the way, if you don't think God has a sense of humor, you need to read, the, you need to read your Bible. Amen. And you need to look in the mirror <laughs> or look next to you. Amen. All right. But if you don't believe God has a sense of humor, but He has a sense of humor. He says, what if the whole, eye were a, what if the whole body were an eye? Or what if the whole body was an ear? Can you just see an ear running around? And hey, everybody. They couldn't say that because they couldn't talk because they're an ear. Amen. But anyway... That's the, but you know what? You know what we need to do? Say, God, this is what you've called me to do. This is what I'm going to do. Amen. And I'm glad to do it. And, and understand this. It's, it's easy sometimes for somebody to say, oh, well, I'm not a preacher. I just do this. Let me, let me, let me explain something to you. If God has not called you to preach, if, he's not, if that's not the gift that God has given you, you would have to take a step down to preach. Amen. That's right. Somebody says, well, I thought preaching was the highest calling and blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, in a, in a way, you could, I guess, try to say that. But the fact of the matter is, the highest calling for your life is God's will for your life. Yeah. And anything outside of God's will for your life is taking a step down. It's not taking a step up. Yeah. There's people, listen, just because a young man gets fired up for God doesn't mean he has to preach. That's right. I've seen that before. Somebody gets sold out for the Lord, fired up for God. Oh, well, I must need to preach. Must be, and, and everybody will start saying, oh, he's going to be a preacher. Well, maybe God calls him to preach, but maybe he don't. Amen. Maybe he just serves in the background. Maybe he's got other things to do. But the fact of the matter is, is that we just need to be willing and be glad to do whatever it is, uh, wherever it is that God has uh, had for us. You know, I've had people call me and basically, in essence, talk to me as if they wanted me to be, take a step up in ministry. Aren't you ready to leave South Dakota? Aren't you ready to leave a little town in South Dakota? And, 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 and there's, almost, there's almost an implied thing in there with, aren't you ready to kind of, you, you ready to take a step up now? You know what? You've paid your dues. You've worked. And it's just like, man, what are you talking about? I could not leave Oak Point, South Dakota now without taking a step down. Amen. 
It don't care if it was some big highfalutin church in some big city somewhere. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's some cushy kind of ministry job. I would, with with my name being everywhere, I would have to take a step down Amen. to leave here. Amen. You would have to take a step down to preach if God's called you with, to the ministry of helps. Or to that of giving, or to that of uh, evangelist, or whatever the case may be, you would have to take a step down in order to go away from what God has for you. And so, uh, so quickly, I, I say this about doing the work: do the work you're called to do. Do the work you're called to do. The word "build" or "built" is used six times in Nehemiah chapter number three, and it's pretty cool because you know I mentioned this earlier. But it means that they restored. They didn't, they didn't use old material. They used the same material. You know what? We do not need to go to a new way. We need to stick with the old way as far as with the book. Amen? Amen. With that which works. With God's Word. With God's truth. Uh, we live in a time... And listen, I'm all, about, I'm all about thinking outside the box. I'm all about trying different ministries and different outreaches. Don't misunderstand me. But, but, but if, it's, if, if it's not in agreement with God's Word... Folks, we do not believe that the ends, just, or that the, yeah, the ends justify the means. That is, po- that is a very popular thing in the uh, evangelical world today. The ends justify the means. Uh, well, we got a big crowd. Well, how'd you get it? Don't matter. We got a big crowd. So they'll do anything to get a big crowd. Anything. Well, that's not right. You know what we're going to do? We're just going to stay with God. Amen? And you know what? We'll do a lot of stuff. But if it means violating God's Word, well, man, we're not that stupid, hopefully. God said it. Man, we're going to stay with God's book. Amen? We're not going to violate what He said. And somebody says, well, you know, we did it this way for 50 years and you're going to do it that way. You're a compromiser. I'll compromise tradition all day long. You can take your tradition and you can go wherever you want with it. Uh, But when it comes to God's Word, we're going to stand on God's Word. When it comes to some tradition that we've done for 50 years, uh, well, they can just have that. Amen? but they built with what God... They built with what was already there. Uh, the word repair is used. I like this, and I'm bringing this down to a close. The word repair is used 35 times in chapter 3. And what that means is to make strong and firm. Amen? I mean, strengthen those things. I mean, make strong and firm. Make strong and firm what? Our stance in God's Word. Our our dedication and our commitment to souls and to one another. I mean, making it strong and firm. Man, this isn't something wishy-washy. It's not about a quick fix. It's about repairing. It's strong and it's firm. And, uh, and then it mentions uh, locks and bars five times, which we're not going to get into, but I'll just say and read this verse in closing. Verse 19, But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, of the, the, servant the Ammonite and Gershom the Arabian heard it, Heard what? That we were going to rebuild these walls. This great work that we were going to do. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing ye will do? Will ye rebel against the king? But they mocked them. They laughed at them. Yeah, this great work you're going to do. There's people that have said that that, that little church ain't never going to have a building. They're never going to have a building. Well, guess what? By God's grace and to God be the glory, we do. Amen? And we will. And we'll continue to build. And we'll continue to see God work. But I'm telling you what, there's going to be naysayers. 
And there's going to be critics. Uh, but you know what we're going to do? Just going to keep on working. Amen? Yeah. Keep on working. They Listen, uh, the, the enemy tried to distract them. The enemy tried to discourage them from the work of God. But they just kept working anyhow. Amen? They had a mind to work. They were intended on working. Because here's what he said. You guys can say what you want to say, he says to them. But in verse 20, Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, He will prosper us. I'll tell you one thing, we're not going forward and going to see God do great things because my steady hand is at the helm. And I will lead us and guide us into these waters. Goodness, no. I can be overwhelmed. But you know what? I, I get really encouraged when I get in over my head. I get really encouraged when things are beyond what I can do. Amen which is pretty much the story of my Christian life. Amen. You know why? Because then God has to show up. Yes. Amen? Amen? Oh, yes. Yes. We are not leaning on our own understanding. And we are not trusting in the experience and the wisdom of any man. We're not trusting in uh, the determination of man. No, the God of heaven. Amen. The God of heaven will prosper us. Yes. It's the Lord. It's God. He's the one that will lead us on. He's the one that is up to any challenge that we may face. Nehemiah says the God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore, for we His servants will arise Amen. and build. But ye have no portion nor, nor, nor right no memorial in Jerusalem. But because of our God, we're going to do. Yeah. It's not about our strength. It's not about our wisdom. It's about our good God. Amen? Yeah. Our great God. Our wonderful God. And He has and He will prosper us in this work. Amen? Because by God's grace, it's all about Him. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, let's all stand and <coughs> we'll be dismissed in just a moment. Miss Son, you can come and play softly on the piano. Hey, maybe we got some more volunteers in here today. I said, you know what? I'll serve. I'll do what I can do. I'll commit. I'll commit. Commitment's not a popular thing, but I think I can say I can say this for myself. I hope I can say it for the rest of you. But is there anybody that regrets being committed to this work, this good work? Those of you, I mean, man, you're committed. Some of you, man, it's working hard. It's it's. You sometimes maybe spending some time that you don't have, making extra trips. That's a sacrifice, but it's a good work, amen. It's a good, good work. It's for God's glory. It's for the edification of the child of God, and it's to be able to reach those that are unsaved around us. It's a good work. It's a good work. If you're here today and you're not saved, He wants to do a good work in your heart. Amen. That you could be forgiven of your sins. Amen. Saved from a burning hell. Saved from the judgment that's to come. Jesus paid it all.
I want to challenge you on this. God has put you on this earth. He saved you. He's put you in this church for a reason. Amen. You'll find that there, there were some people that didn't maybe do as much work or wasn't willing. Can you imagine that there's a place just for you? And the work's not going to be done the way it ought to be done if you're not in that place that God has designated for you. Amen. Hey, get there. Work there. Enjoy the blessings of doing, letting the Lord do a work through you. Lord, I surrender all. I'll serve. I'll do. Lord, after what you've done for me, I'm willing to serve you. I'm willing to do whatever you'd want me to do. Go wherever you'd want me to go. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for saving me. Thank you so much, God, for letting me be a part. I mean, my God, to be saved from hell, God, I, if I could be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, God, if, just to be able to be named among your people, much less to be able to preach and lead your people, God, I give you the glory and the praise. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord.